Hi, this is Joseph with Sci-Fi Graveyard, hosted by The Heart of Geek. Before we get started with tonight's episode, I know things are still crazy right now. I know a lot of people are still suffering with anxiety and depression. I am one of those people. And I just want you to know that there are people who care about you. There are people that love you, whether it be a suicide prevention hotline or your best friend or your family member. Please reach out to someone and talk to them. Know these three things. You are not crazy. You are not alone. And secrets do make you sicker. So please reach out and talk to someone. Again, please, uh, we, we do care about you. And we want to make sure that everyone's safe and happy and healthy moving forward. Thank you. Hi, this is Joseph, the host and creator of Sci-Fi Graveyard, as hosted by The Heart of Geek. Is there a topic that you love to talk about? Would you love to share that topic with millions of listeners around the globe? If so, then you're almost there to starting your own podcast. The only thing you need is Anchor.fm. With Anchor.fm, you can record, edit, and publish your own podcast to the Anchor site and to popular podcasting sites around the world. So what are you waiting for? If you'd like to get started, all you need to do is head to the Play Store on Android or the App Store if you have an iPhone. Start the download and get recording today. Thank you for listening to Sci-Fi Graveyard and on to the podcast. Hero worship. If you could meet your hero, would you? What if this hero ushered in a new era for mankind? Would he live up to your expectations? Would he be the man you... We are the Borg. Lower your shields and surrender your ships. We will add your biological and technological distinctiveness to our own. Your culture will adapt to service us. Resistance is futile. Star Trek First Contact premiered in theaters on November 22nd, 1996. Welcome to Sci-Fi Graveyard. This is Joseph Ganger along with Jeremy and Josh. Steve will not be joining us this evening. Uh, tonight we're going to discuss the 8th film in the Star Trek movie franchise. A good one, a break from the ones that are considered bad. Uh, Star Trek First Contact. Star Trek First Contact stars Patrick Stewart, Jonathan Frakes, Brent Spiner, Michael Dorn, LeVar Burton, Gates McFadden, Marina Sirtis, Alfre Woodward, Alice Creek, and James Cromwell as Farmer Hoggett. That's a little joke because that's who he played in Babe. Uh, he actually plays... <laughs> He actually plays Zeph from Cochrane, the inventor of Warp Drive. So some trivia about Star Trek First Contact before we discuss the film. This is the debut of the USS Enterprise in CC-1701E. Yay! I know we talked about that in Nemesis and a little bit in Insurrection, uh, but this is where the Enterprise-E does make its film debut. Uh, it was a, designed by John Eves, and it was to be more sleeker and more film-friendly than the Enterprise-D. Uh, the USS Defiant actually makes its big screen debut in this film. The Defiant was actually supposed to be destroyed in the battle of Sector 001, but it was changed due to protest of screenwriter Ronald D. Moore due to it being needless and not to and for the story not to feature any of the characters from Deep Space Nine aside from Worf. Let me re-say that, Deep Space Nine, because I feel like I flubbed that. Uh, also, it would create problems for the show. <laughs> You're, this ship was given to the show to, ex to ex explore the Gamma Quadrant and the Dominion, and then you're going to destroy it in a movie that the, none of the other characters are in. Uh, this is the only time the ship gets to do what it was designed to do, uh, which is fight the Borg, because the Defiant was actually in-universe, was designed by Benjamin Sisko, 
after the Saratoga was destroyed along with his wife being killed in the Battle of Wolf 359 from the Best of Both Worlds episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, which actually this movie is kind of a sequel to. This movie takes place six years after those events. And they show part of the Battle of Wolf 359 in the pilot episode of Deep Space Nine. So that's what ties Cisco to the Defiant and Cisco to Picard and Lucutus. Avery Brooks actually filmed a cameo as Benjamin Cisco, where he ordered Worf to take the Defiant to join the fleet, but it was deleted. Um, sadly, I wish I, I wish they, I wish it existed because I would have fanboyed out to see Avery Brooks because he's my favorite captain. Benjamin Cisco is. Uh, Ben Sisko is actually like one-third Kirk, one-third Picard, and one-third Samuel L. Jackson. Because I think if Star Trek fully embraced and was able to cuss, I, I know Avery Brooks would be like, motherfucker! Just like Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> I love I love Avery Well, Brooks. I mean, if they did Deep Space Nine movies, they would have probably had him curse at least once. He would have had to curse once. Because let's face it, Sisko was a badass. Uh, Kelsey Grammer actually has a, ca- a cameo at the beginning of the movie during the battle of sector 001 uh when picard and the crew are listening to the comm traffic and starfleet engages the board the defiant and Bo- bozeman are ordered to fall back the voice that acknowledges the order uh sounds like grammar who played captain morgan bateson the captain of the bozeman in the star trek the next generation episode cause and effect um where the that's the episode where the enterprise is caught in a time loop and um, and they keep running into the, the Bozeman and blow up and they start over. Uh, that's uh, the reason Bacard, there's actually an explanation of how Bacard was able to take command of the fleet at Earth. Also, real quick before I go into that, people have like talked about the Defiant getting his butt kicked, but actually the Defiant actually held out really well in this fight because Sector 001, when they get to Earth, that was literally like the, the last posed there were several other battlefronts that led to sector 001 which sector 001 is earth as is our solar system because that's where the the headquarters of starfleet is so it's sector 001 and so the defiant actually lasted a long time so it actually did what it was designed to do fight the borg but when you're like the most awesome ship in the fleet aside from the enterprise you know you could only do so much uh, but back to Picard taking command of the fleet. This was actually explained in Star Trek Voyager's episode Equinox. That's where uh, Janeway encounters Captain Ransom and the USS Equinox, the Nova-class science vessel. Captain Janeway states Starfleet Regulation 191, Article 14, in a combat situation involving more than one ship command falls to the vessel with tactical superiority. Since the Enterprise-E had just shown up, had not fired, any expendable munitions, torpedoes, or anything like that, has not suffered any energy. Has not <laughs> suffered any injuries, and it not damaged. It was not damaged. It by far was the most tactical superiority, uh, superior ship over the 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 battered battered fleet. But also, Inter- the Enterprise E is actually the most advanced ship in the fleet. So I think even if they were all in good standing, um, it probably would have been the most powerful ship out there anyway. Aside from the Admiral ship, so uh, some, some interesting uh, facts about Zephyr Cochran. Zephyr Cochran is the only character to utter the phrase "Star Trek" in the history of the franchise. Uh, he also made his debut in the original series episode *Metamorphosis*, 
where he is referred to as Ephraim Cochran from Alpha Centauri. But there's some, like, uh, continuity stuff there. But he could have, like, lived on Earth. And then once Warp Drive was invented, he could have moved to Alpha Centauri probably after the invention of Warp Drive and retired out there. Because technically he was much older, but the planet in Metamorphosis kept him alive. So he, he was still a living being. So uh, let's see here. Uh, Data in this movie has the ability to deactivate and then reactivate his emotion chip as seen in the movie. Data deactivates it when he's feeling anxiety, which we all could do that when we're feeling depressed and anxious. Uh, have a little bit of deactivate the emotions a bit. Uh, but the Borg reactivate it. People pointed this out as an error due to the chip being fused in his, into his neural net, but my headcanon, which I'll probably talk about that because, you know, we had the whole conversation about how big the Enterprise was. And this is even the first movie with it gave discrepancies with how big she is as far as how many decks. But um, I think after two years, I think they would have figured out how to turn it on and off for him. Because in Star Trek Generations, they honestly just say it fused to his neural net and they can't remove it. They never said that he couldn't turn it off. Technically. Technically. Um, <laughs> so that's that's where I get that. Um, fan favorite Reginald Barkley makes his appearance in this movie. It's the only one he's in. Uh, but he does go to appear in Star Trek Voyager. He was the nervous guy, if y'all didn't know that. Um, that's like, we're thinking about using this. Uh, Mr. Cochran, can I shake your hand? That's uh, probably, he, he, I love Reg. I love Barkley. I, uh, ever since his first episode, he was one of the recurring characters. Um, many might know the actor as being Mad Doc. Uh, Murdoch, um, ugh, I can't talk. From, he's, he was he was famous from the A Team. Howlin' Mad Murdoch is who he played. But uh, oh, movie. okay, yeah, 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 yeah. So in the show, not the movie, but um, yeah. Jordy, if you notice, Jordy, this is the first time you see him with the ocular implants. Um, Lavar had actually been trying to get rid of the visor for years, as he felt it hampered his acting ability and his ability to emote because he couldn't use his eyes. And we do a lot of talking through our eyes with emotion, so. Um, there's actually an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation called The New Ground. LaForge is talking about historic events, which, which include how great it would be to see Zephram Cochran make the first warp drive. In this movie, LaForge not only gets to witness the ad event, but he helps repair the engine and takes the flight with him. So that's pretty cool. Uh, the only time that Beverly ever refers to herself by rank, which is Commander Beverly Crusher, is actually during the scene where they, uh, they activate the Enterprise's self-destruct system. And the, the interesting thing is, is I did not plan this, but this episode will premiere on Monday. And guess what day it is? What? April the 5th. Oh, what is that? A Star Trek thing? Yes. So April the 5th, 2063 is the, 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 the date that the earth makes contact with the Vulcans as seen in this movie. So I, oh, I unintentionally yeah. am releasing this on first contact day. <laughs> so uh, only only 42 more years to go and we'll, we'll meet the Balkans. Uh, if we could just avoid <laughs> that World War III thing, um, that would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, people make uh, sites about the Borg, them actually facing the Borg Queen uh, because they're a hive mind and they operate as a hive mind, but now they have a queen that's in control of all of them like bees. Uh, the reason they created the queen is because they couldn't just have the Enterprise fight a computer. So they actually had to have like a tangible villain for Picard and them to face. So hence the creation of the Borg Queen. I know it, it like kind of goes a little bit against the whole idea of the Borg, 
being this autonomous, like hive minded thing. But I, I get from a story writing standpoint where they would need to do something like that. Uh, another interesting thing, uh, Lieutenant Hawk, who was also in Avengers, the first, the Avengers, the first, the Captain America, the first Avenger. And he was also in, I think some of the Peggy Carter stuff. He, he plays Lieutenant Hawk, the act, he, that the actor, uh, he was supposed to be the op first openly gay character to be, to be depicted in Star Trek, but it was changed at the, like the, in later drafts of the script. So he was eventually going to make a line about, he preferred the comp the, the uh, company of men as opposed to women. So he's going to be the first openly gay character, but that, that became Paul Stamets in Star Trek Discovery. Yeah. Yep. Well, I mean, it's totally different in our time now. Yeah. Compared it, to like the time, like well, when does this movie come out again? It like came out in, in the '90s, something, right? Where, yeah. Like being gay was a little bit more acceptable, but there was still a lot of, uh, yeah, I don't know if we want to do that. So, so a lot of things were still, you know, a lot of people kind of held the hold button on stuff like that, or got cold feet in the last minute. Uh, so that's why Lieutenant Hawk. Now, in the Star Trek Titan novels, which I'll be honest with you, I only read the first one, but I didn't really care for the series. So after that, I was like, no, I'm done. Um, the Lieutenant Hawk's like boyfriend is actually on the Titan with Riker. And I believe Worf is on the Titan because he bl he blames uh, Worf for the death of uh, Hawk because Worf, Worf killed Hawk on board the Enterprise. When Hawk gets assimilated, and so the only thing to do to keep safe Captain Picard is to kill Hawk, assimilated Hawk, not just be like, fuck you, Hawk. It was more like, okay, I gotta save the captain. So so he blames him. Um, I didn't really care for the Titan stories. I After the first book, they kind of end up in like an unknown space. And kind of like, uh, this felt too much like Voyager at the end where they're like, we got to find our way home. I'm like, no, I just literally went through seven years of that. I don't need that again. So I, I just quit reading after the first novel. But I did give it a shot. Uh, so know, several new classes of ship make their debut in this movie uh, during the back to the bat. I can't talk. Why can't I talk tonight? Uh, in the battle of Sector 001, the main one I'm just going to mention is the Akira class. Uh, the Akira class is actually probably out of the ones that were designed specifically for this movie by I ILM. And we're not counting the Enterprise. This is obviously the Enterprise is brand new. But this is background ships in the Battle of uh, Sector 001. Uh, the Akira class is probably the most popular. It's a fan favorite. And this, this you would see this class later in episodes of Deep Space Nine during the Dominion War arc. And honestly, and they actually end up using the Akira class as a design concept for the NX-01 from Star Trek Enterprise. Uh, the launching of the Phoenix about Enterprise uh, was reused in the credits for Star Trek Enterprise. Uh, let's see here. Another cool thing is, although his name is never given, this is all this trivia you can find on the IMDb. There's actually so much trivia. I just picked, I didn't, I actually did... I actually only picked a few things because there was just pages and pages. But uh, although the name is never given in this movie, according to Star Trek canon, the Vulcan who salutes Zephyr Cochran is Solkar, as men as mentioned in Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Uh, Solkar is the grandfather of Sarek, who subs 
sequentially as the great-grandfather of Spock. So technically, according to sources, this is supposed to be Spock's great-grandfather that meets uh, Zeppelin Cochran. And, actually, and going back to Enterprise, the Enterprise Season 4 episode in Amir Darkly actually features archive footage from this scene, the, the first contact scene from First Contact. Uh, additional footage was shot with contact between the humans and Vulcans. And, and, this, and this was shot on traditional film instead of the digital cameras that they were using on Enterprise. And so that's so the new footage would blend in seamlessly with the Star Trek VI uh, footage from 1996. Uh, this episode takes place in the Mirror Universe, first seen in Mirror Mirror of the original series and would later be seen in Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek Deep Space Nine. But so, because as, as you know, in this movie, it ends with um, the Vulcans and humans interacting peacefully, whereas in Intermere Darkly, which actually is a really good two-parter from Enterprise Season 4, Season 4 and parts of Season 3 is when the show really started to get pick up and get traction. And so Season 4 is actually a really good season of Enterprise. Too bad they canceled it. Um, they only did enough episodes to put it in syndication. And the ratings, I think, were actually going to start ticking up. We're actually starting to tick upward. But they went ahead and canceled it instead of giving it a season five. But anyway, this whole episode takes place in the mirror universe. So instead of like um, Zephram like doing the shaking his hand, he pulls out a gun and shoots the Vulcans and storms the ship. And that's how they. And, and so um, this was also that episode in a mirror darkly is kind of like a sequel episode to the uh, episode where the Defiant is the Tholian web is the name of the episode of the original series where the defiant disappears out of our reality and are the reality of the actual timeline. And that's because it, it gets sent to the mirror universe in the past. And so that's, um, that, and so it's a sequel to first contact and a sequel to that episode as well. So, uh, there's probably some more things that I'll hopefully remember as we continue on, but I will like to let you all know that, I love the soundtrack to this movie. I don't know how you all felt about the music, but this is by far my my favorite Star Trek overture is the beginning theme um, at here, and it's the one I listen to the most when I do listen to Star Trek music. This is by far my favorite. This was the first Star Trek soundtrack I ever purchased because this music was so amazing to me. Uh, Jerry Goldsmith did provide the soundtrack for the or the, the main themes for the next-gen movies for insurrection and for this movie and so i actually loved it now dennis mccarthy i think did generations and i don't remember who did nemesis but uh i actually like uh insert uh generations music too but this soundtrack to me was by far my favorite even out of all the movies uh with kirk and crew sorry i've been really tired lately and i apologize um this was by far my my favorite soundtrack. So I don't know how y'all felt about the music. I don't know if y'all like Jer Jerry Goldsmith. Well, the, the movie period. Is sorry, perfect. sorry. Jerry Goldsmith oh. did the music for Nemesis. Also, I just wanted to add that in there. Sorry, but, uh, I mean, uh, I, no, you're mm -hmm. good. I was taking a drink, so that's why I didn't say anything. You can uh, go ahead, Josh. I I was just giving that little input that. Yeah, Lincoln, and always. But then, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, once it all, it kind of happens whenever you're both. Uh, I figured you were going to drop the knowledge for that stuff anyway. 
But uh, what's it called? This is my favorite uh, Star Trek movie, really. I mean, other than Wrath of Khan and stuff, but this is probably my favorite one. So when we were watching it, I was like, yeah, like the soundtrack's good. Everything on the movie is good. So, like, I, I definitely think that if there's like a movie that I would recommend for anybody that has watched Next Generation or kind of generally knows it, I would have t- and told them to watch this one anyway. Yeah. So, Star Trek 2 and First Contact are my top two movies. And I'd probably say. Star Trek Six is probably my personal favorite. I know I probably said something differently in a past review, but I love Star Trek, so my list changes all the time. But six, two, and eight are always going to be near the top. Um, Star Trek First Contact, even the cast of Next Gen said this was their favorite movie, and it was the best movie because they all kind of had something they could do instead of just being like, you know, hailing frequencies open, Captain. You know, they all actually get to a little participate a little bit in the story somewhat uh jordy um and Riker with zephram cochran troy getting drunk in the bar with zephram uh beverly crusher getting some stuff with lily played by alfrey woodward um data of course and picard of course because this movie doesn't like the next gen like the original series had the trio kirk spock and mccoy this movie kind of has just these next gen kind of has the duo Kirk and or Picard and Data, and everyone else kind of plays second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, fifth fiddle. This was also the first movie where they're like, How are we going to get Worf back on board the Enterprise? And they're like, Oh, the Enterprise saves the Defiant, and Worf tags along. So, out of all the movies, this is the one that makes the most sense. Um, whereas they tried to explain it in the other movies, but whether for whatever reason, they always seem to left it on the cutting room floor, which then leaves fans like, I guess they don't care why Worf shows up. I was like, at least in Nemesis, you could say he's there for the wedding. But they actually had a legit reason for that, too. He, he went back to Starfleet and rejoined the rejoined Starfleet, was back on the Enterprise as an officer. So, like, there's, you know, there's, there's reasons. It's just that the wrong people were on the editing side. Uh, this is... Jonathan Frakes directed this because they... Um, wanted someone familiar with Trek. And so Jonathan Frakes uh, actually got the name nickname Two Takes Fre- Two Takes Frakes because he had such an effic- efficient film, efficient directing style when making this film. And honestly, I wish they had gotten him to direct Nemesis. I think it would have been a better movie, honestly. Um, but anyway, <laughs> sorry, I'm going back on the trivia. I'm not even reading trivia. This is just because I'm a nerd that I know all this stuff. Uh or I should say geek, because geek's more of like fandom stuff, nerds more like book smart. And it's the name of the channel too. Yes, and, and <laughs> it's the name of the Heart of Geek, our channel. So um I love this movie. Now I, I actually own this on VHS back when VHS was a thing. Hey kids, you remember VHS? Us three do, because we're old. But um so I have a band story. So one time on a band trip. I brought this movie along because we were on charter buses and charter buses have VCRs at the time and TVs. So every so often, so you could watch movies along the way. And so everyone made us watch the movies they wanted. And I was on the, the bus with my friend, David's dad. Uh, we call, we called him pops. Uh, God rest his soul. So pop pops was the only one on my side in this. 
But I wanted to watch Star Trek First Contact, so Pops made sure that everyone, I got to watch it. So he he, he made sure I got to watch it. And everyone was kind of like pissy about having to watch a Star Trek film. But you know what? After they watched it, nobody bitched about it because it was because they, they enjoyed it. Uh, because this movie was designed to, to this is if you want to show a non Trekkie or someone who wasn't in a Star Trek a Star Trek film to see if they would like it, you're going to show them this movie or you're going to show them the Wrath of Khan. You're probably going to show them First Contact because this is the one that had the more mass appeal, and this is also the first one to be rated PG thirteen, where all the rest were PG, at least leading up to this. I think Nemesis was PG thirteen as well. Um, but this was like the one that had the most massive, a mass appeal. And it was also up until Star Trek 2009 was the highest grossing Star Trek film ever. And that's because it had, it had mass appeal and the next gen- And that also talks about how popular the next generation was. The next generation was like hugely popular. Uh, not at first, but by the end of the run, it was insanely popular. You, Star Trek was everywhere. Star Trek toys made by playmates. Star Trek. Uh, I have behind me the Playmates Enterprise D uh, that has lights and sounds. They made an Enterprise E off the early concepts, which their Enterprise E looks nothing. Ooh, pardon me, hiccup. Looks nothing like the Enterprise E. Uh, seen in the movie. But um, sorry, I keep going off on to- uh, trivia stuff. But I really like this movie. It was um, super enjoyable. I think it's probably the most action, action-y of all the Star Trek films. Uh, it's a straight-up action film, honestly, but it does delve into the backstories of like Picard dealing with him being the cutest and the best of both worlds. Uh, I think out of all the Next Generation films, this is the only one that feels like a cinematic movie as opposed to an episode. Uh, it feels like it has that larger scale. And uh i sorry someone decided to facebook and i forgot to mute my computer (laughs) (laughs) or no it was um something on facebook marketplace let me just mute that real quick there we go so um actually i can't do that there we go oh it was my phone never mind i thought it was from my computer anyway what are you Um, doing man for shame for shame (laughs) i'm such a bad podcaster um it was stupid notification we post something on sale in facebook marketplace because we're trying to get rid of stuff in the house um which is why i'm so tired but and that i worked like 13 hours yesterday but i really enjoyed this film i think it was the best out of all the next generation films um the enterprise e is my favorite enterprise which i mentioned in nemesis um i actually have the enterprise e on my desk next to me and it's the version of the Enterprise E from Nemesis because it's actually the most screen accurate one. So that's the one I have. Um, and before I, I keep going off, does anyone else want to say what they liked about this movie? Because I'm just rambling. I would say Jeremy. Jeremy um, in terms of what I've, uh, I thought it was good. I don't feel that it was like great though. I mean, uh, it, I didn't like one thing I did I can say that I liked about it though is what you mentioned already was that they involved more than just it seemed like Picard and Data like we've been seeing 
previously in the other movies we've watched. Yeah. and Nemesis, it seemed to revolved around those two primarily for the most part. And this one, I mean, obviously it's going to revolve around Picard, but um, Data wasn't the primary focus, secondary to him. It was kind of spread. Um, in terms of other stuff, I can tell you one thing that kind of annoyed me with this movie, and I don't know if it annoyed anybody else, but it was the way Alfrey Woodard, Woodward acted. It, she seemed kind of, I don't know how to explain it. it. Not customary on how I'm used to seeing her on screen. I don't know if it was just a an odd role for her to play, but it, it seemed to me like she was forcing some of the stuff that she was doing. I don't know how to explain it, but um, I think uh, I know I get it. You, you think she came a little off yeah, a little wooden? Yeah, um, um, yeah. I figured that's what he was thinking. Uh, <clears throat> meaning from that, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's perfectly fine. Like I, I like I kind of like Lily in this movie, although I feel kind of bad for her because she was supposed to be on the the Phoenix with. Uh, was from Cochrane, and then she didn't even get to do that. Although she did get to go aboard the Enterprise E, so um, that's pretty cool that she, you know, she got to she got to be on board the Enterprise uh, to see the future where Zephram was making it, uh, which ties in the whole thing about hero worship. I love how in the like it kind of make does this does this make anyone else think like we we hold these like past heroes in such high regard. But and like just like the next gen holds up from Cochrane who ushered in this new era for um, for humanity and he's like you told him about the statue, um, but like but like Zephyr Cochrane was like this drunk this drunk dick who just wanted to make money and go retire on an island full of naked women that he's like he yep. didn't care that's all he wanted he just wanted to be rich and left alone and and so he's like. All these people, like they, they put him on this pedestal when he was just a normal person. Um, well, I mean, it like... shows like how much, uh, and like you know, like how history goes. Like you see, like certain stuff in history, and then it's like the, like how much people build up the stories, and then the yeah. when you find out the actual truth, it's like nothing compared to it. Yeah. Like. <laughs> I think that's how it is with a lot of things. They add more to it than we, they we absolutely have to. Yeah, he, he, it's been so embellished that Zephyr Conquerant becomes this mythical creep, this mythical person, when all he was is just this alcoholic who just. Yeah, like what's it called? If he was only doing that shit so he could get with girls, you know, he's yeah, like, that's all he I want to have sex with all the alien women. That's my, yeah. gen- that's what I'm going for. And then they're like, oh, yeah, he's the best ever, you know, and it, find I, out that he's a I, massive I, pervert. That's like I, something out of an anime right there. I know. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> I, I kind of like that, which is when I was thinking of how I would do the trailer. It's like I want to focus on the hero worship because the whole the whole thing is like he gets overwhelmed with he doesn't want to be a hero. He just wants to you know, live his life as a normal person. And now he he's been saddled with this this like responsibility to usher in this like thing for mankind. And you could honestly have actually made that 
maybe into more of a like if this was an episode that definitely would have been a great episode with him coming to terms with you know being a, having to be a hero uh that hero become that man that that, that pedestal and he was just this drunk dude that wanted to go on a um, tropical island with naked women. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> it makes me wonder, like, like all these historical figures, like, it's the same with Gene Roddenberry. Like, the, like I love Star Trek, and uh, people are going to probably, the, the few people that listen to this will probably get pissed, but, like, Gene Roddenberry gets put on this pedestal, but Gene Roddenberry was kind of a dick. Like, you, you can, like, do all this research, and you'll find out that he really wasn't a good man. Like, he had some great ideas, and I'm not saying he's a, a terrible human being. I mean, like, but he wasn't, like, this the person that everyone thought he was. He, he was one, of, and we said this before, he believed his own hype. And since he believed his own hype, you know, that's not really good. And I think that the story of Zephyr Cochran plays a lot into this, um, that hero worship that we do. Like, people worship characters in movies and actors but then you that, like, that's why they say the dicks in her life. Uh, you, do you want to meet your heroes? Yeah. And that's why I, I was I was trying to come up with an analogy while you were saying yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I have a, a old boss I used to work with at Albertsons back in the day. His name was Terry. And Terry was a huge fan of Rush. And he's like, and we were talking, would you ever want to meet them? He's like, no, because I don't want to meet that. I wouldn't want to meet them and then turn out to be assholes because that would ruin the, you know, how much he loves them as a band. And I, I get that, you know, like these people worshipped, not worshipped, like, you know, bowed down to him, but what he did there. And it was so romanticized that when you find out that, he, you know, he's running away. And I do like the fact that when he's like, I had to go take a leak. And Jordy's like, I'm not detecting any leaks. He's like, don't people in the 24th century ever pee? He's like, oh, leak. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, that's, and that's why I say there, and there's a lot of good uh, parts in this movie that, I don't know, uh, like whenever I was first one, probably because one of my favorite uh, episodes that they ended up doing was the stuff when, uh, Picard was turned into a Borg and all that stuff. So yeah, the, seeing that, like a continuation or more like closure for him yeah. in this movie kind of like was good. I think that's one thing that I liked about it the most was probably that's one of the main episodes that I ever remember when I was a kid was the one where Picard turned into a Borg. So when they were doing that stuff, even the the thing with the skin like human touch with data and all that stuff and it's like ooh, like i'm trying to taunt you or like because i think ta- uh, data wanted to have that feeling for a while right yeah i it was kind of interesting that they didn't like try to keep well obviously when they ruptured the coolant tanks it liquefied it but i wonder why they just didn't like figure out how to make that a thing for him because then brent spiner wouldn't had to have wore all that extensive makeup to be data. But then again, the makeup does hide the fact that data like Brent Spiner is like, that dude's pushing 80 now. Uh, He's not, he was like in his forties doing the next gen. So like he, that's why he wanted to kill data off because he, he just was too old to play a part, but they actually explained that data could make himself appear to age. 
so that way he would look older with his like kind of grow old a little bit and stuff like that but i i get like brent spiner you know being an older man like wanting to bow out gracefully instead of playing a character that he's too old to play because we've seen that before and it's never especially you probably after a certain amount of seasons it's like okay i'm just ready to be done with it i mean you see that with a lot of shows and stuff like i'm surprised supernatural lasted as long as it did like it lasted like 15 seasons and there were like uh, I mean, probably because people are still watching the shows, one reason why. But, like, a lot of the people get tired of doing the roles after so many years. So oh, they're like, one oh, other, one other thing I done. wanted to point out. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Um, I, haven't, I haven't really talked all that much. But, um, you're fine. You're fine. But I, I wanted yeah, to point out fine. one thing that this movie did do was there wasn't, like, significant in this movie. Like, literally, from start to finish, it kind of went along a path and ended, you know, without there being stuff going. You know, well, Josh, you remember we talked about The Omen the other night on another podcast and how kind of choppy it was. I can say this movie wasn't choppy. And watching it, it went from one part to the next to the next and ended. You know, so there was no, like, how the fuck did we get here? You know, yeah, yeah, it, it yeah, and that's one thing I could. That's the other, yeah. Thing. I didn't mention that in my earlier comments, but I thought about it as you guys were talking, so I figured I'd bring that up. Yeah, it will. Yeah, this does have this does flow better than Insurrection and Nemesis, and even Generations. And uh, it definitely did not feel like a, another episode. No, yeah, this is the only one that feels <laughs> cinematic. Like, I'm not going to lie, seeing the Enterprise D on the big screen when I went to go see this in the- when I went to go see it in theaters cuz I've seen every Star Trek movie from 4 onward in theaters. Every uh, all from 4 onward cuz I was Star Trek 3 to uh, obviously Star Trek the motion picture. I was alive when it premiered, but I it was it premiered I think in December of 79 and so I was like 4 months old. So my parents were probably not going to go take me to go see Star Trek, the motion picture, Star Trek two and three. I was really young. So we didn't really go to the movies a lot then in that time frame. But then my mom did take us to go see Star Trek four. And that's, you know, when I love Star Trek, uh, even a little bit before that. So, um, I, I love Star Trek. So seeing the enterprise D was pretty cool. But it still felt like an episode. Like you're just like plugging in a VHS and watching it on the, the big screen. Whereas like this actually felt like a cinematic, ep- like more epic tale. And it had some good follow-up because yes, you had to be a fan. You, to understand what Picard went through, you kind of need to watch the next generation. However, they do a good job of explaining how he feels, especially with the comparisons to Ahab from Captain Ahab from Moby Dick is an underlying um, motif and theme in this movie. Uh, I've seen people compare this to the Wrath of Khan with some of its beats, and I thought I read something recently about that, but maybe I was mistaken. I don't know. I could have swore I did. Uh, I didn't think to write it down. Yeah, that was weird. Doing like <laughs> things at the time. You kicked me out for a little bit there. Uh, that's be- I guess. 
you're not a believer. No. Um, but uh, it's kind of, I think a lot of reasons this gets compared is because probably because Star Trek 2 was really the best Star Trek movie for the original series. This is legit the best movie for the next generation cast. And everyone, like, everyone kind of clicks. I mean, they've been playing these, uh, these characters for so many years now. And yeah. And, um, one more bit of trivia as I want to, I want to throw in here. If you've ever seen, um, let's see. Cause a lot of people thought Jason Bateman was the con officer of the defiant. And I just saw this cause I was looking something up real quick. Uh, but actually, it was Adam Scott who was on Parks mm. and Recreation. Okay, yeah. He's yeah, he's the one that's like it's the Enterprise, and when Worf's gonna ram the board cube with the Defiant and kill themselves. But <laughs> um, I remember him from Step Brothers though. I'm just thirsty. Well, it wasn't that. It was the uh, no. Catalina wine mixer, you know, the fucking... Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. The the brother that gets punched in the fucking face. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, the reason I, I was saying... <laughs> sorry. I was, I was looking something up and I saw Adam Scott and I realized I wanted to talk about him. So the reason I, I was doing the comparison is because this is... Uh, what I read. Uh, Captain Picard is likened to Moby Dick, like I just mentioned, Captain Ahab, for his obsession with destroying the Borg as the White Whale. Which is also interesting because uh, it, he actually, after this, he went on to play Captain Ahab in a production of Moby Dick. like a, I think it was a made-for-TV movie. Uh, so he went from quoting Moby Dick to being and at being uh, like Ahab to actually playing Captain Ahab, Patrick Stewart. Uh, the reason I, I brought this up, because what I read recently in comparing it to Wrath of Khan, it, it's a recurring theme in Ra uh, Wrath of Khan, the Moby Dick, and that has to do with uh, Khan. Khan is Captain Ahab this time, and Kirk is the white man, mm -hmm. if you think about it. Because cause Khan stole the, stole the Reliant, Oh, quick tidbit! I, I meant I forgot to mention generations. The Miranda class vessel, which was one of the little ones, uh, actually was a model of the Reliant from Star Trek II. It, in some of the HD and big screen, you can see it say the, the registry eighteen sixty four, which is the Reliance registry. Anyway, because um, Khan defeated the plans of Kirk to have him live on a planet, and I mean Kirk kind of did drop the ball without checking on Khan. Uh, to be honest with you, <laughs> but um, but the uh, but Khan defeated his plans and could have gone anywhere with the Reliant. He could have he could have went somewhere and did something meaningful, but he was so he was so bent on destroying Kirk over the death of his wife instead of a lot. You know, uh, he destroyed himself, and Picard was going down that same road. And till Lily basically told him to get his shit together and get his head out of his ass. Um, uh, probably my favorite scene in this movie is the scene where he like destroys the 
he destroys the models of the Enterprise, and the Enterprise D was supposed to get destroyed and be symbolic. And even though it did break, I don't think it broke like it was supposed to break. And so they had to change some of the dialogue. But like, like this is that's actually my favorite scene in this movie because he's like, they invade our space and we fall, we fall back. They assimilate entire worlds and we fall back. Not here. Like the line must be drawn here, this far and no farther. And I will make them pay for what they've done. And like so, like right then, and then she's like, you know, Captain Ahab has to hunt his whale, and then he quotes Moby Dick, you know, if his heart had been a can, if his chest had been a cannon, he would have shot his heart upon it. And I don't know the quote because I honestly have never read Moby Dick. Has any of us read Moby Dick? I bet you Steve's read Moby Dick. Anyway. Uh, that's my favorite scene because it's to me it's the most emotional scene. When I was in the debate team in high school, at one point that's actually the scene I did for prose poetry. Is I did that scene from the novelization version um, of Star Trek: First Contact because I, I have that I used to have the novelization of, this, of the book. And um, there's a scene where Beverly's like when they they send Picard away, like the Enterprise away when the Borg are attacking. And she's like, does Starfleet feel we need more shakedown time? And like, they kind of have her ask it like a serious question. But in the book, you you get you know you can hear their inner monologue a little bit, you know. And and in the book, they say that she asked that, but she knew that wasn't she knew that wasn't the case. She's just you know trying to come up with reasons why they didn't want the Enterprise on the front lines. And you know, as we know, it was because Picard was Locutus. And they didn't want to put him in that situation again. But I really have nothing really I hate about this film. So a lot of the stuff is just me spouting trivia from memory and stuff I just love about this film. Uh, I, I, this, I'm sure there's things that nitpickers would nitpick. The Deck 26 and Deck 24 things, I've already talked about that previously. Uh, and I know I said stuff about headcanon, but when YouTubers are like, I don't accept websites and stuff... But when the website is literally StarTrek.com, the official website for all things Star Trek, like the Star Trek website yeah. owned by CBS Paramount, yeah, that's, uh, I, I think what canon. they say has to be taken in consideration. And yeah, it's canon. And they say the Sovereign Class Enterprise is 24 decks. And besides, the, the security officer who was in this movie, and he was also in uh, Michael Horton, who played the security officer, he was in Insurrection. He was in the next film as the security officer. Um, he was also in an episode of Star Trek Voyager. Yeah, his name's Lieutenant Daniels. And so he was actually the new security officer after Worf had departed. He's been His men have been overrun. They're getting... I don't want to say getting killed. They're getting assimilated. Um... He's freaked out, highly stressed, running his, running for his life, literally, to get back to the bridge. I I think you can forgive him for getting the amount of deaths well, wrong. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know. Some people overreact to shit anyway. So I think that's the main thing. I think and, a lot of, yeah, and the so, people that don't yeah. know canon and, never do that. Like me. <laughs> yeah, like... Because, well, they, 
Well, well, they, well, that's one thing. Yeah, no, and that's fine. But like, people in, that argue canon will argue like they'll come up with like theories like, well, the Enterprise had more space after Deck Twenty Four. I think the problem is overthinking. Overthinking. No, no, that doesn't make yeah. any sense. Why would they, overthinking it? They're overthinking it. If Star Trek.com says it's twenty four decks, then obviously John Logan and Nemesis didn't do his research, and you could say that. The screenwriters, which one of them was Ronald D. Moore? He, he actually, he, it could, you could actually pass off, pass off Lieutenant Daniel's flub as, uh, you know, he's getting his ass kicked. Uh, he's probably a little stressed out. That's all I'm saying. Um, you can forgive that, and I, 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 I think that's what makes the the, the next generation. I mean, even Star Trek Five had some. We're going to talk about that one next time. That one had some major inconsistencies with how big the Enterprise was, and we'll talk about that next time. That's going to that's going to be the last Star Trek. Is there an episode where they're in like um, an elevator ship or Superman something, and they right go up now. to like deck in one of these things? Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's Star Trek Five. Yeah, that's in Star Trek Five. So we're going to talk about that one in Five because that's like a major thing, and that's the only time I will give people like. A right to say like what the fuck because the enterprise a is smaller than the enterprise e and the d actually uh, the smallest one is obviously nx01 then 1701 then the refit is a little bit bigger then the a is the same size as the refit the excelsiors are bigger the ambassador the the galaxy and then the sovereign and then the enterprise f in star trek online is odyssey class which um is bigger than the e and I really, I can't say anything I hate about this film. I actually really like it. Um, it, it. It it shows like Picard trying to be more of an action star. This is like, like I had mentioned in the other ones, they really wanted Picard to be like, you know, Bruce Willis and Die Hard. And I think, I think he actually pulled it off the most in this movie. This is the only movie that doesn't have some sort of countdown. Uh, the only time crunch is that they have to launch the Phoenix, which is set from Cochrane ship, uh, by 11.15 a.m. on April the 5th because they want the Vulcans to detect the warp signature and investigate. That's literally the only time crunch. Because in Generations, the, the countdown is the, the rocket firing to destroy the sun. Insurrection... It's the countdown to deploy the collector. And in Nemesis, it's the failure on radiation countdown from the scimitar. He literally, in three of the four movies, has to stop a damn countdown. And this is the only one where he doesn't have to do that. And I think this one works out the met, the best. I think the Borg Queen is a decent villain. Um, I get people's problems with her because of the concept of the Borg. Because I always think of the Borg. I think Voyager did more harm to the Borg than good, to be honest with you. Um, I kind of agree with some of the nitpickers on that. After watching reviews and thinking about it, they kind of turned the Borg from this unstoppable foe to like the villain of the week type thing. And I kind of agree with that a little bit. But anyway, I always thought of the Borg as space zombies. Does anyone see them other than that? Because what do zombies do? They bite you. Well, to a degree, it's like uh, uh, the The only other thing that reminds me of is maybe Cybermen. Because I mean, Severman and Doctor Who are pretty much the same thing. Yeah, I mean, they're pretty. Yeah, much they like pretty much just. Uh, 
Yeah. They're, they're better looking Cybermen. <laughs> they're better Cybermen. I, I, I'm surprised no one, like that never came up. I mean, I'm sure back then it came up because I wasn't really into Doctor Who back in the 90s. Uh, I didn't start watching. Doctor yeah, I I only started six, watching it like uh, way later Smith. on, like only so, like may... it was when I, I started when David Who. Tennant was doing it. I think like it was in the middle, like it was right before Matt Smith. Took and this over. guy has no idea what you guys are talking about. So, I yeah. Well, I mean, maybe we should do <laughs> We're like a about Doctor Who thing, so the type of thing. That way, we could introduce Jeremy into Doctor. Yeah, Who. I'm just saying, yeah. I've never. Uh, the the best thing would be to find a a a good episode or, um, the 1996 made for TV movie Doctor Who that interview introduces my favorite Doctor, uh, the Eighth Doctor, Paul McGann, uh, played by Paul McGann. And the reason he's my favorite doctor is some of these audio dramas that came out like a few years back where he gets to actually delve into his doctor. And I love them so much. He, uh, he's my doctor now. Uh, Matt Smith was my doctor. Sorry, Matt, you got to take the 11th has to take a seat to the eighth. Um, I even like Peter Capaldi. Still think that David Tennant is my uh, favorite, but I mean, uh, I wish that Christopher Eccleston was yeah. probably like longer in there. Like as the doctor, because he only had like one season, but I mean, still good. What whatever they did with him, but I mean, that's on a different thing. We should just like do that as like a watch party thing where we talk about it or something. We we should do like I know that it's on HBO Max. Yeah, I know that they have it mostly on HBO Max. And. And there's another streaming service that has it too, and I don't think I have that one. But there's, oh god, who yeah, is I don't it? think Amazon it's not has it. It's not I know at one Netflix point did Amazon have, yeah. did have it, but I think it's before. Yeah, yeah, yeah because they, they took it, it off of Netflix it because that's how and I first Netflix started watching had some it. Classic who. Was that it was on Netflix? They had season nine to I, whatever on it. Yeah, I would say we should see what's on HBO Max and we should do like, because we can do that as a watch party and I think we all have HBO Max. I don't know. Uh, next time we're going to do Star Trek Five, but we can look at that because I do. Well, do I mean, we, we should just have the ones that fun, introduce maybe. the best parts for Doctor Who eventually. But uh, like some which, of the favorite. Yeah, huh? which is, you know, it's funny, my. You know what's funny? My least favorite. Which is, is crazy. Rose, I, I mean, so she's my it. favorite. Like, I, I mean, she is I my like favorite. Rose. But I mean, my favorite is it Donna started Donna. with her. Donna I think that's my favorite. Why. For I me, love Donna. I started the se- a series think, on the yeah. ninth see, season. So I got to know, like, how she, her, her character went through, like, I think four or five seasons, right? Uh, Rose was with. She Rose started with, with Eccleston, the, uh, and then she ninth, went like another like ten. two or three. I'm like, I think at least three seasons with Tennant. Yeah, she went. It she looked. went through seasons one through four, and then she left. No, not one through four. She was yeah, like David Donna Tennant had like three David or Tennant. four companions at one point in time. Yeah, it looks he had, like, yeah, he had it Rose, looks like they're all on had HBO. Martha, Max. and then he had Donna Noble. Yeah. Okay, we'll have to do it on HBO Max. 
Because I love Donna Noble because she was the only one who didn't take shit from the doctor and she kind of threw it back in his face. Um, those are my, and then I like the episode where she's with, uh, she's with, she meets Agatha Christie and she keeps like giving, say, mentioning Agatha Christie books and she's like, copyright Donna Noble. <laughs> so she's like, <laughs> I can't love Donna, watch parties I love on HBO Max too, um, can't you? But back to first, uh, back, uh yeah. yeah, probably, yeah. I think you can. Godzilla yeah. versus that's Kong would be a good one. one. Yeah. Um, that's getting back. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, uh, uh, what's I, it called? I, we got to do that for Mortal Kombat. That just too. premiered today. Yeah, Kombat, that's what I was I hoping to do. Month? Like, Mortal oh, Kombat Annihilation either. on something. Because that sounds like dope. Yeah, oh, just yeah, because it's so fucking awful. So yeah. I mean, you consider it. Yeah, I, I know it's like April sixteenth is when the new movie but comes the, out. I know that. So, so that's yeah. Going off on tangents, to, um, everybody watch this movie, especially if you're a fan yeah. of Next Generation. Uh, watch, watch First Contact. It is really the best out of all the four Next Gen movies. But to kind of explain to Jeremy, the Cybermen are basically the Borg. They have the same goals. They want to take you, assimilate you, and add you, add your. Where as the Cybermen, I think they just take your brain. The Borg assimilate your body, um, and I think the the Cybermen eventually just where they took your head or they took your brain or something like that and put you in a cybernetic body. Uh, but there was uh, whereas you could reverse Borg assimilation, you can't reserve you can't reverse being a Cyberman. Once you're a Cyberman, you're dead. Um, that's it for you. They actually did a tie-in comic where the crew of the Next Gen teamed up with the Eleventh Doctor and Amy and Rory. Mortal Kombat to April twenty-third um, versus the sixteenth. It was the Cyberman. Oh, okay. So they only put it away for yeah. like an extra week or so. Okay. Okay. So we'll do. So this is going to be what we're going to do. We'll do. Today's the third. We'll record on the. We're going to do. Um, the fourteenth, we'll we're gonna do Star Trek, uh, Star Trek Five, and then on the twenty eighth, we'll do Mortal Kombat Annihilation, and then that way, even though it's a little bit after the sixteenth, or no, no, the twenty third. So it's it's five days later, but we'll do we'll do the we'll do Mortal Kombat because I, I think you can consider it sci fi. We'll do Annihilation on the twenty eighth, so that'll be the next two Star Trek Five and Mortal Kombat. But uh, the, the Cybermen actually team up with the Borg in a comic book with the Next Gen crew, and it was a Doctor Who tie-in. And they actually wanted to bring Doctor Who and tie it in with Enterprise, which I wish they would have done because it would have been so cool! But um, the, I, I actually, the comic book was good, but I actually wanted the Borg to go against um, the Daleks just so I could hear the Borg be like, you'll be assimilated, resistance is futile. And then the, the Daleks would be like, exterminate, you know? <laughs> so yeah, I love the Daleks. Yeah. Um, but anyway, back to first, con- yeah, back to first contact. See this movie. It, you will love it if you're not a Trekkie. I mean, if even if you don't like Star Trek, what? This is a good movie. It's fun. It's enjoyable. It's It, it has mass appeal, so it's not... You don't have to know or have seen the best of both worlds. To yeah, you don't understand to see, like Star Trek for you to know. They, they explain it yeah. very well. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's it's they explain he was assimilated by him. They do the nightmare sequence at the beginning of the film, which re- lets the pe- reminds people what happened to him and introduces people who don't know what happened to him. Um, they explain that he was. The only thing they don't say is Lacutus was used uh, as a spokesman for the board to try to make conquering Earth easier. That's really what he was, but they kind of retcon that in this, that the board queen wanted an equal, uh, someone that wasn't of the hive mind, where she's not of the hive mind. And then she finds that in, she thinks she finds that in Data, I'm using air quotes, but, you know, obviously Data does, isn't going to betray Captain Picard or Starfleet or humanity. He's not going to give up 9 billion people because he had sex with her and has flesh now. So that's not a thing. Nope. But any final thoughts, guys? You pretty much said most of it anyway. Jeremy? I know you didn't talk a lot this time. Yeah, sorry. I kind of talked a lot during this one because I really love this movie. Um, Star Trek V is next. It's going to be a guilty pleasure, even though it's terrible. It's crazy. That one's the final frontier, <laughs> I right? I still like it. <laughs> um, yeah, that one. Uh, the final yeah that one's the uh and the final I frontier and i hope this was recording it's showing it phone's being stupid um if yeah, not we'll yeah mm-hmm. it, it's only it's showing, showing like an hour and two yeah it's an hour and two for mine, so it's only showing right 17 now. seconds for some reason yeah so if we, yeah, that's what it's showing on my web browser, uh, too. So if we fuck this up... Um, if anything, it will just uh, read... For, for, um, for, if anything, it will probably... Well, I doubt it. We can hear you, though. It would be different parts, if we couldn't I mean. hear you. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's going to be talking to the computer. I mean, I'm... Yeah, well, that's because I'm talking through the computer. So, but, I mean, Anchor, I'm, it's only still showing... Well, it's happened to me so, where like, it's reset before, and it's in two different parts. But, yeah. Okay, well, we'll... Together. Okay, well, we'll give it. A, we'll give it. But a um, if I have to put, I guess that wraps. I'll put it together. So, but um, uh, I guess that wraps things up. So we'll see how this uh, this turns but anyway, out. Hopefully, I didn't fuck it up trying something new. But anyway, for Sci-Fi Graveyard, I'm Joseph Gettings, and for and Jeremy Josh, we want to wish y'all a wonderful night. And I will listen through the end because we are going to our link. I do have a tagline with this. With all of our watch this movie. Stuff. So again, we wish y'all a good night. Nope, I'm good, watch man. Watch this movie and Jeremy. All right. Any final thoughts? Thank you. All right. Sorry, I talked a lot, Please. but y'all have a good night. Please. And thank you for listening to Sci-Fi Graveyard. Bye. We'd like to thank you for listening to this week's episode of Sci-Fi Graveyard. If you like what you hear, please check out some of our other podcasts, as hosted by the Heart of Geek. That is Morbid Instinct, Wrestling with the Willies and screen creeps you can follow us on social media we are at the heart of geek on twitter the heart of geek on facebook youtube and instagram and when we do stream it's not very often we are just heart of geek again thank you for listening and we hope to catch you next time